You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Thank you so much for that song. I feel like all the songs today go along with uh, what the parable we're going to look at today is about. Matthew chapter number 18 in your Bibles this morning. Uh, we, I did not have Brother Michael announce this this morning, Brother Deharo, but he'll announce it tonight. There's a teen activity next Sunday night after the evening service till 8.30. Uh, we're going to ha- just have some volleyball and pizza. For, and some of you are like, I want to be a teenager. Well, you, you can't, okay? Not again. But no, we're going to have a good time next Sunday night after church. And so teenagers bring a change of clothes. And uh, hopefully you're not volleyballed out after this week of school and everything going on. Matthew chapter number 18, and we're so thankful you're here. If you are a guest, as was mentioned earlier, please grab a, uh, a, a gift basket. What's it called? A gift bag. On your way out today as our thanks for being here. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at a parable this morning that is familiar territory to most Christians. And uh, it's dealing with an issue that is, it, it seems like an easy issue on the surface, but it's a, a, a very difficult issue at times. It's a very important issue. The topic of the parable in Matthew 18 that we're going to look at is the topic of forgiveness. And we're going to look at the parable today of the unmerciful servant, the unmerciful servant. Now you could name this parable many different things. But I, for our sake, we, we could talk about how the, the Lord is very merciful. The, the Lord in the story, of course, uh, referencing our Lord as well. But I want to focus in on the actions of the servant in the text this morning. And so if you look down with me, Matthew chapter 18, <clears throat> verse number 21. Now, before we read this, understand the context that Jesus had just had a conversation with the people and his disciples about what to do if somebody in church offends you. What to do if somebody in uh, in the realm of Christendom hurts you in your church or somewhere else, a brother or sister in Christ. Now, what is the wrong thing to do? The wrong thing to do is just to take matters into your own hands or tell everybody else about the problem. The right thing to do, it says here, is to in, in chapter verses 15 through 19, is to go to that person individually first. Last thing we do in our day and age, but it's the first thing you're supposed to do biblically. And this is a message for a different time, and it's a very needed message. But he had just spoken on dealing with hurts. Now, if you look at verse number 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft or how often shall my brother sin against me, brother in Christ, uh, sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven, four hundred and ninety times. Therefore, is the, and so he, he launches into the parable now. He says, I'm not saying to you, Peter, that you just have to forgive seven times and it's over. Jesus said four hundred and ninety, and I don't think Jesus literally meant four hundred and ninety times. I think he's referencing the fact that you're going to have to learn to forgive and then you're going to have to forgive again and then you're going to have to forgive again and it goes on as a lifestyle of forgiveness. But look, if you would, at the parable that he gives. This story to illustrate the truth. 
Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, or look through the ledger and figure out who owed what, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now we'll talk about that in a minute, what that means. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, he's broke, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had in payment to be made. So they were going to be uh, uh, sold into servitude. They were going to have to pay off their debt by being the, the housekeepers and things like that. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out. Now, it was a beautiful story. It was a beautiful story. And now it gets ugly. But that same servant, who was just forgiven all of that, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And again, we'll talk about what these numbers mean. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Wow. Verse 49, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. You notice that was the exact same phrase that the other guy said? And he would not, but went, so no compassion, no, no move with compassion there for him, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. You asked me, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, he was angry, and delivered him to the tormentors, jailers, people that would torture till he should pay all that was due unto him. So, likewise, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So, it seems a little harsh, but as we go through it, I want to show you some things here. We're going to move quick. Got a lot of points to put on the screen for you there so you can follow along with me. But let's pray together and ask for God just to reveal some things and help us this morning. Our Father, we trust in you today for answers to biblical questions that we have, for solutions to problems that we face. And we just pray for your help today, for, for whatever it may be that we're facing in our lives, whatever issues may be about. I don't know if today forgiveness is the issue in everybody's heart, but I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us about it. And I pray that you'd speak about whatever you want to speak about in each and every one of our hearts, so we would listen and have our ears in tune to the Holy Spirit of God today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Verse 21, when Peter says, Lord, how often shall I forgive? You know, I, I think he was genuinely looking for an answer. I don't think he was being facetious. I don't think he was like, Lord, till seven times. How many times am I supposed to forgive? I think he was saying, no, Lord, I want to do this right. So when someone sins, he's probably thinking, eventually, Lord, there's got to be a point, right? There's got to be a point where you say no more. There's got to be a point where you say, I can't forgive you anymore. Now, look, it doesn't say when you are forgiving someone that you have to be best friends with that person ever again. It doesn't say you have to trust that person. It doesn't say, you know, you have to put yourself back in that situation. That's not forgiveness. 
But he says here, the Lord says, no, 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 no. This issue of forgiveness is unending. It's unending. And, you know, I'm sure Peter was probably shocked with that answer 490 times. And so, well, let's look, though. Let's notice some things about this parable. Why did Jesus give this parable? Why, why is he trying to show us the unmerciful servant? Notice, first of all, the Lord and the ledger. The Lord and the ledger. In verse 23, it says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. So the Lord in this passage, the king is keeping a record of what everybody owes him. They're all working for him. And so he says, you owe this, you owe this. And he's got his ledger. Can I just tell you today that God keeps perfect records? I don't know if you did this year. The IRS will find out soon enough. if you kept perfect records, but Jesus, God, keeps perfect records. By the way, we we often think of that in a negative sense. Oh, that God knows every bad thing we do. Yes, but he also knows every good thing you did. The eyes of the Lord are uh, all through the earth, beholding the evil and the good. So he sees both, but he keeps a record. Now, I'm very thankful as a Christian that knows Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm glad that when God looks in the ledger and he sees my debt, that it says paid in full right next to it because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's paid in full. But notice the, the Lord in this passage has a ledger. He's keeping account. We need to be aware of that, that that is often, often in parables, something the Lord makes sure to mention is that God's keeping record. He knows. But secondly, I want you to notice not only the, the Lord and the ledger, but the bankruptcy and the beggar. Look at verse number 24. <clears throat> and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, he, he didn't have this money. He didn't have anything to pay. So the Lord said, okay, well, the fair thing is for you to pay off the debt with work. Pay off the debt. But now, since you owe so much, I mean, you're all going to have to serve. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. So now he begins to beg. So we see there's bankruptcy and begging. Now, now what are we going to make out of these measurements? You've probably heard some of this before, but we don't use terms like talents in regards to money. We don't use pence, as it says later on there. I think he was a vice president. He's not a form of money, all right? Pence is there somewhere, but, but uh, as you look there, what is that talking about? Well, a pence was a Roman silver coin called a denarii, and about one of those silver coins was a day's wage for a common laborer or a servant. So one denarii, one pence, was a day's wage. So as we're looking at this, keep that in mind. Well, what is that in comparison, and I don't know how much you make every day at your job, but a day's work is worth something. Now, what is a talent? A talent was about 73 pounds. Did I get that right? I wrote it down. About 73 pounds of either gold or silver. 73 pounds. How many of you could use a talent of gold right now? I could. I'll tell you what. 73 pounds of gold. So what did that mean, though, gold or silver? 6,000 denarii made up one talent. 6,000 days of work made up one talent of gold or silver. And this guy owed 10,000 talents. That's quite a bit of debt. That means 
One talent was 6,000 days of work. So in other words, 16 years of work for one talent. 16 years of work to pay off one talent, and he owed 10,000 talents. This would, that, that would be about, 10,000 talents would be about 60 million days works, days work. That's 160,000 years, folks. Can you imagine working every day of your life for 160, no, we can't even imagine that, 160,000 years. But, so what it's saying is, why is God using these numbers? Because he's trying to show us that the debt that was owed could never be paid back. I mean, it could just never be paid back. People in in life struggle with debt. Everybody, probably at some point, most people go through debt. But I guarantee you, you've never been down 160,000 years worth. I I hope not. If you have, congratulations. That's amazing how you did it. But, But that's a lot of money that is owed here. So he's saying that this man could not possibly pay back that debt. Not only that, his entire family was going to be uh, forced into servitude. So what does he do? And, and really, please picture, please picture what Jesus is trying to get across here. What does the guy do? He sees his great need and his debt. He recognizes that he cannot pay it. He humbles himself and he goes to the king and asks for mercy and for forgiveness. Do we not see ourselves here? Do we not see our own salvation here? If you've been saved, that's how you got saved. You realize your debt to God, your sin debt that you could never pay back, that you could never uh, uh, work off. And because of that, it caused you to say, you know what, there's no chance of me earning this. I've got to humble myself, and I've got to go to the king, and I've got to ask for forgiveness. And if you did that, then that's the only way your debt's been wiped clean. Amen? Amen. That's great stuff there. We see ourselves in that. But not only the bankruptcy and the beggar, I want you to see the forgiveness and the freedom. The forgiveness and the freedom. Look at verse 27. Think of how this must have felt. Here's a guy begging the king for mercy. And it says, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him, loosed him, bondage. He was, he, was, he was done for, but he was loosed. He was loosed from that bondage and, and forgave him the debt, the forgiveness. When it says move with compassion, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 9 where the Bible says that Jesus looked out upon the people and saw them as sheep having no shepherd. He was moved with compassion upon them. And that's our God. Aren't you glad that he is moved with compassion? Aren't you glad that from heaven looking down, he saw our need, he saw our great sin debt, but his compassion moved him to leave from heaven and to come to this earth and die on a cross for our sins? Hey, I'm pretty glad God was moved with compassion. He was moved. Not only was this man forgiven of his debt, but he was set free from the bondage pronounced upon him. A bondage he deserved, but a forgiveness he did not deserve. When Jesus forgave you and me, he didn't just forgive you, he set you free. He set you free. No more bondage. I read a story um, about an attorney, a lawyer that got saved, which I didn't know was possible, that a lawyer could know Jesus. But anyway, um, but this lawyer, I'm just kidding, but this lawyer came to know Christ as a savior, and he was reading the Bible, and he saw this parable about forgiving things and forgiving people of their great debt, and so he decided to cancel all the debts 
of people that owed him more than six months' time. So he canceled, he wrote 17 letters and uh, sent them by certified mail to people to say, I'm forgiving you of your debt. Since you have to sign for certified mail, he got 16 letters returned to him. No one wanted to sign for it. No one wanted to open it because they thought he was just looking to sue them for more money. Wow. You know, God has given us freedom and forgiveness of sins to, uh, really to all the world, but some, so many people won't open his letter. So many people don't even know. They're living in the bondage of sin. They're living underneath the guilt and shame of sin when God has written a letter to say, hey, I will forgive you all of it. If you just ask, if you just come. I love this parable. So much, so much good thinking here. So much helpful stuff to me in this parable. I want you to see also this thing, and then we're going to move on to some practical thoughts. I want you to see the wickedness and then the warning. The wickedness and then the warning. And really this is what we're going to focus on for just a moment or two here. Verse 28, but the same servant went and found one of his fellow servants. Now, hold on. Fellow servant. What does that mean? That means they're both serving the same Lord. That means they're both serving the same king. A fellow servant. You know, it's often the case that we have more problems and we hold more grudges on people that serve God with us at church. Oftentimes, when I deal with Christians that have grudges or Christians that are being unforgiving, it's not someone outside of church. Many times, the unforgiveness is a fellow servant, somebody in church, somebody that serves God with us. And he says the, the fellow servant, which owed him 100 pence, 100 days work. That's a lot of money, 100 days work. I get that. That's a big, big wrong to that person. But you know what? Pales in comparison to 160,000 years worth. Pales in comparison. But notice what he does. He doesn't just say, hey, can you pay me back what you owe me? He goes and he lays hands on this person. He lays hands on this. I'm going to go lay hands on my son real quick. I've always wanted to, so publicly I'm going to do it right now. And he lays hands and he grabs him by the throat, just like I do my son every night. Grabbed him by the, I'm just kidding, I'm joking. But he, he grabs him by the throat. Look, that, that's not just... That's not just, hey, you know, you owe a debt. I'm glad that, like, when you have a credit card or something, the collectors aren't like, pay me what the, you know. I'm, that's a little excessive, a little extreme. And, he, and that's what he does. He, he grabs him by the throat. Notice, though, what the Bible says. He, he, he's unmerciful. He's, the, the ingratitude, the, the, uh, the, the gall of this person, the injustice. But look at verse 32. It says, then his Lord... After that, he called him, said to him, oh, thou wicked servant. Notice that God describes what he did as wicked. Now, we're going somewhere. Stay with me. And you may say, but he owed a debt. Yes, but that man's world was changed when he was shown mercy. He would have had no life, no freedom, and no hope if his Lord hadn't forgiven him. So what right does he have not to forgive somebody else? He, had a new, he has a new lease on life, and what does he do with his first day of freedom? Lay his hands on somebody. Lay his hands on somebody. I want to make this statement. It is a great wickedness. It is a great wickedness to withhold forgiveness 
over a handful of sins when we have been forgiven for millions. It is a great wickedness in God's eyes for us to withhold forgiveness over a small, relatively small, you may think it's a big number, amount of sins compared to our millions of them. This story shows that this man's actions were a great cruelty. Cruelty. Unforgiveness is cruelty? It is. It is because of what we know about that man. What do we know? That he was forgiven so much. So what a great cruelty for him to be so unmerciful. Look at verse 31. He was, his cruelty and unforgiveness affected other people. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And came and told unto the Lord all that was done. If we don't forgive people, it affects other people. If we don't forgive, if I live a life of bitterness and anger towards somebody else, it's going to affect my marriage. It's going to affect my kids. It's going to affect the church. It's going to affect people I serve with because what I do affects other people. Have, have you ever stopped to consider that your unwillingness to forgive is actually cruel and wicked in God's eyes? What? But I was watching Instagram the other day, and, and everybody on Instagram says that I'm supposed to just love me and take care of me and focus on me. Instagram ain't the Bible. You can find truth anywhere, but you can also find garbage anywhere. I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not here saying, just forgive, it's super easy, no problem. It's hard. And oftentimes, it can take a while. It can take, okay, I'm remembering that's forgiven. But Jesus is shining a light on this man to show how wicked and cruel it was for him not to forgive when he has been forgiven so much. I read a story about a man, I think it was Dale Carnegie, the guy that wrote uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He went to Yellowstone Park and there was a grizzly bear eating, uh, and, and eating camp food. I guess he had, I don't know if he'd eaten the people in the camp food or what, but he was eating some camp food and, uh, and nobody was around the bear. There was no animal close to the bear, you know, like no one was going to approach the grizzly bear and I wouldn't either, quite frankly. But he watched from a distance this grizzly bear eating and then after a while a skunk comes out of the, comes out of the grass and goes over and gets right beside the grizzly bear, right beside the grizzly and, and eats. And the bear looks at him and does nothing. You know why? Because the bear knows. <laughs> the bear knows it would cost him to get, get, to get the skunk. Look, if you won't forgive, what I'm saying is it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Random story, just sideline real quick. We have a dog, Bowser. He's a uh, Jack Russell Terrier. And uh, he has found a possum in our backyard. And so he's found a new chew toy. And uh, uh, now I walk outside, what are you doing? He's throwing a possum across the yard. I'm like, okay, all right, the good dog, okay. So say, why did you say that? I don't know, all right, it's free. You just got a free Bowser story. All right, I'd like to just give us today, really quickly, say, why are you telling us all this, Pastor? I want us to think about forgiveness, and we hear forgiveness a lot, preached, but I want to just give you three things to take away from this quickly. Now, do me quickly, we'll be out of here in just a moment. Number one, when it comes to keeping from becoming unmerciful yourself, can I just encourage you to do this? Never forget what you've been forgiven of. I know that's not great English, 
I'm supposed to end a sentence with a preposition. But I made the slide, I can make it how I want, all right? Never forget what you've been forgiven of. Pastor, I don't want to be unmerciful. I don't want to be unjust with what I do. Then we've got to remember what it took for God to forgive our sins. And look, if you'll just keep that in mind, what other people do to you won't be a big deal. It won't be as big of a deal anyway. Just take a moment. Honestly, take a moment right now. And just think, I'm not trying to get you, look, your sins have been forgiven. If you've confessed them to God, he doesn't remember them anymore. But you know who does remember them? We do. Think for a moment about some sins you've committed against God. Think for a moment about the things that nobody else knows about that God's forgiven you of. Could be thoughts, could be action, could be inaction. I'm not trying to get you to become sad or anything like that, but I'm trying to get you to say, realize that, you know what? If we stop and think about it, we owed a debt to God that we could never pay back. And he said, forgiven and set free. That's what he said to us. God completely and fully forgave you of all of your sins. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, he wants to completely and fully forgive you of your sins. That's what he wants to do. Listen, the sins of a fellow servant towards you will never come close to the greatness and magnitude of your sins toward God. The sins of a fellow servant toward you will never come close to the greatness and magnitude of your sins toward God. People that have shown mercy, people that have been shown mercy should show mercy. But I want to say, look, if you want to be a forgiving person, and I don't know everything that's happened in your life. I know some of you carry great hurts and great trials, and I'm not trying to minimize anything that's happened to you from the time you were born to now. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not telling you it's not a big deal, get over it. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is that if God could forgive me and you, then it is possible for you to forgive. And it is possible for you to have a joy-filled life again. Because your forgiveness is not hurting the other person. It's hurting you. That's who your forgiveness is hurting. Can I say secondly... Here's a thought from this passage. We are most like God when we forgive wrongs done to us. You want to see Christ's likeness in yourself? Forgive wrongs that were done to you that you didn't feel like you deserved. Well, Pastor, it hurts to forgive. It cost me something. It cost Jesus something too. It cost him his blood. It cost him his life on the cross. And yet on the cross, what did he say? He said, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The answer is not revenge. The answer is forgiveness. I read a story about American soldiers overseas, and they had a young boy, when they were stationed in Korea, this young boy was serving them, serving food to them, and, and these American soldiers began to play jokes on this young man. Should not have done it, but they did. They would tease him. They tie his shoelaces together. They lock him out of the house or restaurant where they were. And pretty soon, one of the guys said, hey, you know, he, this, this boy doesn't think that's funny. We need to stop that. And so these grown men stopped and apologized to them and said, you know what, young man, I'm sorry. We, we shouldn't have been treating you like that. And the, and the young boy said, that's okay. I'll stop spitting in your soup now. 
Oftentimes, what we want to do, we want to get back at people. But we can show we are most like Christ by our forgiveness of people that have wronged us. I want to say lastly this morning, notice verse number 35, please. There was a warning given that if you don't forgive, you will be punished. But look at verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Who's he talking to? Peter. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. He's talking to the disciples, but he's addressing Peter. He says, hey, if you don't forgive from your heart, then you're going to be punished. What's the last thought? Forgiveness comes from the heart, not just the mouth. Forgiveness comes from the heart, not just the mouth. What does that mean, from the heart? It means it's not just enough to say it. You ever talk to your kids? All right, you two, you've been fighting. You pull them apart, you know. You're like, all right, apologize. Sorry. You're like, no, you're not. But you can't make them. You can't just, you know, all right, let me change your heart. Now, you know, we've said before, try again. Okay, no, no, that wasn't good at all. Go back over here and think about it and come back or else we're going to fight. You know, something like that. And they come back and they talk and maybe it's a little bit more sincere. You've seen an apology that was really not meant before. You've seen a forgiveness given that really wasn't there. And God is saying, look, you, you have to truly mean it in your heart. That means you have to move on. That means you have to remember that you forgave it and not brought it back up again six years later in that conversation with your spouse or whatever and say, well, I'll never forget. When you... No, if you have forgiven, it is forgiven. It's not a weapon to use against someone else. You forgive, then it's forgiven. That means you have to let it go and, and, and not get mad every time you think about it, but move on from it from your heart. Forgive. I brought with me something, uh, uh, a little illustration here. I have a hammer. I say, Pastor, why do you have a hammer? I always carry a hammer, don't you? Uh, we all do, right? It's Long Beach, you never know. But I uh, brought it with me on the airplane the other day. They didn't even catch it, you know, these TSA agents. I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I want to just give a brief example my father-in-law always gave, okay? Follow along. Hand, hammer, thumb. Satan, the person, you. Satan uses somebody to hurt you. Who's the enemy? Who's the real enemy? Not this. This is a tool. It's this. It's the devil. What does the devil do? He will use people you love, your spouse, to hurt you. He will use your children to hurt you. He will use your best friend to hurt you. He will use spiritual authority, we've seen that in churches all across the world, to hurt you. He will use anything as a tool to hurt you. And yet we always get mad at this. We always get mad at the person. How could they? Maybe we ought to step back and say, that stinking devil, he's the one I hate. He's the one that, you know, I'm not happy that anybody's going to hell except him. You know, he is the one that's the enemy. So I wonder today, what is the devil using in your life? What is the devil taking and saying, I am going to hurt you? And are you blaming this? Are you blaming the devil? I don't, I don't know where you're at today. All I know is this. I don't know if you have anybody to forgive, 
but I do know you've been forgiven a lot if you're saved today. You've been forgiven. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you're going to have to pay for your own sins, and that's no fun. But Jesus paid for them on the cross of Calvary. He took all of your sin and paid for it. Why would you want to go to hell and pay for it yourself? It's been paid for. All you have to do is come to Christ, recognizing as this man did the great debt that you owe that you could never pay back by any amount of works you could ever do, and come to Christ humbly and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of this great debt I owe. Set me free. Give me forgiveness. If you'd be willing to do that, he'd forgive you. I wonder today, when is the last time you thank God for that forgiveness? I wonder today, is there somebody in your life that you have been holding something against as a weapon? Maybe you're holding it against them because you know it gives you an edge over that person. And no matter what they say, no matter how much truth they speak, you know that you've got in your back pocket that weapon that you can use against them. Oh, yeah, you're going to bring that up. Well, I'll never forget that. We need to forgive. If not, it is wicked and cruel, the Bible says, because of what we've been forgiven. And if you're here without Christ, I invite you today to let us show you from the Bible how you can receive the greatest forgiveness that you'll ever know in your life. Where are you at today? How's forgiveness in your life? Is there somebody that God's working on you about to say, you know what, let's stop being mad at them and let's forgive God. Let's forgive the person. And let's be angry at the real enemy, the devil. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I don't know who's here today with needs in this area of forgiveness.